Pushkin. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase and a member FDIC 2024 J.P. Morgan Chase and Co. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. It all started with two federal agents who heard a rumor. She mentioned, well, there is this alleged murder to have taken place. There was just one problem. They had no clue who the victim was. We have to do our job, and we have to find out who did they kill. It had been 15 years since this alleged murder. Was it still possible to unearth the truth? I used to watch um, the Unsolved Mystery shows, and I often thought about calling because I was like this is this is not right how can a person get killed and no one knows anything I'm Jake Halpern and this is Deep Cover The Nameless Man listen wherever you get your podcasts and if you want to hear the entire season right now ad free subscribe to Pushkin Plus on our Apple Podcast show page or on pushkin.fm slash plus I'm Emma Green, and I wrote The Party is Cancelled for The New Yorker, and it's the story of the week. In the movie Annie Hall, Woody Allen uh, repeats this joke. I, I'd never join a club that would allow a person like me to, to become a member. Which is too bad, because there's a new club in New York City that would totally invite Woody Allen. Possibly the only one that would invite Woody Allen in 2023. It's called The Gathering of Thought Criminals. It's a club for canceled people. And a reporter has infiltrated their ranks. Writing is hard. Who's got that kind of time? When you're already busy trying to be Joe Stein. So he turns on a mic, maybe twiddles a knob, calls a journalist friend who's got an actual job. Auditory, single story, just listen to smart people speak. Emma Green went to a Gathering of Thought Criminals dinner and wrote about it for The New Yorker. Emma, thank you for talking to me about this. How did you first find out about this story? Are you, are you secretly a member of the Cancelled Society? <laughs> 
Uh, I am not a member of the Thought Criminals. I am not canceled as far as I know, but I'll keep you posted if that changes. We'll work on that during this interview. (laughs) I knew I should never have accepted this podcast invitation. (laughs) Um, The origin story of this is one of those journalism dream stories. This person who I was having coffee with mentioned in a totally casual, offhanded way, oh yeah, and you know, Pamela Paresky, she's like the mother hand of the canceled. And of course I thought to myself, I need to know everything about that. So tell me what your story is about as if we had just met at a dinner party for canceled people. Well, you know, this gal Pamela, she lives in New York. She's 56. And she is trained as a psychiatrist and uh, is also a writer and public intellectual. She has a regular feature at Psychology Today. She also worked on The Coddling of the American Mind, which is that book by John Haidt. Well, that was a really important book. Even a little bit before cancel culture, that book was talking about how universities weren't allowed to talk about all kinds of stuff. Totally. Trigger warnings and safe spaces. Okay, so she was involved in that. Yes, exactly. What's Pamela like? She is a little short. Mm -hmm. She has brown hair, gray streaks. She has glasses. She often perches them on her hair. And she is very focused when she's talking to someone. It's this feeling like, you know, you're the only person in the world. And she's just a very intense person. And someone in your story described her as being kind of (laughs) hot. Did you find that? <laughs> I I am not going to be the adjudicator of okay. which of my sources is so hot you're or objective. not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I would lose my job if I started doing that. But one of my sources did describe her as the intellectual dark web's most eligible bachelorette, oh. which Pamela says that she's not part of the intellectual dark web. No one besides Joe Rogan wants to be part of that, right? It may be. I don't know. There are a few people who are really proud to be okay. to be in that scene. Has she been canceled? No, she has at times faced pushback on social media, but she's never really faced any kind of personal or professional consequences for something that she's written or said or done. And something that was really interesting to me was trying to untangle why it is that cancellation matters to her so much. It's a professional focus of hers. It's obviously a personal focus of hers. She's trying to get people together who have been canceled. And it was really interesting psychologically for me to try to puzzle out. Why is it that this possibility, this danger of getting canceled feels so present and threatening for her? And what did you conclude? Well, this is speculation that maybe goes beyond what I wrote in my story, but I suppose that's why you go on podcasts. Exactly. Um, She wanted to be this actress when she was growing up, and she told me that she went from wanting to be an actress to wanting to be an actress Mm. who just sort of was in the background, not really wanting to be known at all. And I thought that was really telling. She is sort of scared of what happens when you take the limelight and the consequences for saying or doing things that are unpopular. Was she ever an actress? She had her big break in Goodfellas. She is an extra in the famous Coca Cabana 
party scene where there's that one long shot. Oh, oh, the opening shot, the endless tracking shot. Right, where they go through the kitchen of the club. Yeah. And you can see her after they come out of the kitchen and she has this big 1950s hairdo and she's sort of conspiring with these men in suits. And to me, that's a perfect stand-in for Pamela, which is she's kind of in in the background. You don't really know she's there, but she sure is having an interesting conspiratorial discussion with important looking men on the side. So what is this dinner party called? So Pamela calls this the gathering of the thought criminals. The gathering of the thought criminals. That's great. (laughs) I want to join that. (laughs) Some people think it's great. Some people don't think it's great. Uh, I talked to some people who were like, yeah, you know, thought criminal is so fun. At thought criminals, we do this. At thought criminals, we do that. And then some other people who were like, eh, I really hate the thought criminal shtick. Like, it's kind of cringy. So there are some rules to the club. It's like Fight Club, except it is like Fight Club, right? Well, there's only one rule at Fight Club. There are two rules at Thought Criminals. Okay. First rule of Thought Criminals, you have to be willing to break bread with people who have been canceled or whatever term you want to use if you don't believe that cancellation is a real thing. And second rule, Pamela's got to like you. She is the bouncer and getting past Pamela is the all important thing. Can you ask to be invited or is that against the rules you have to wait for her to find you and invite you? So I've heard of a few instances where someone has asked to come along. Um, Pamela also finds people when they're going through something big, when they're getting pushback on social media or they're facing a wave of cancellation. So she accumulates people in lots of different ways. But I'm not sure that there is a Google form that you could go fill out, Joel, and try to get in. Sorry about that. I'm going to go work on that. Are there, are there T-shirts or rings or anything like Secret Society-ish or you just show up at these dinners? I wish. Yeah. And if there were, they didn't show them to me. No, they would show you. You're a great reporter. They would 100% show you. <laughs> I would like to think that if there was any kind of like gear or paraphernalia, I would not only have seen it, but maybe have scored one to take back to my you know reporting trophy shelf. But alas. Okay, so what is her definition of being canceled that would get you into this dinner party? Everything from pushback on social media to people who have lost their jobs because of something that they said or did. So to her, it really encompasses a wide range. And in fact, not everybody at Thought Criminals has to have been canceled. You just have to be willing to break bread with someone who's been canceled. Are these all liberals who the liberals have turned on or are there some people who are actually from the conservative side of things who come to these? I think it's both. I met and talked to someone who is an avowed socialist, a couple libertarians, um, certainly at least a couple of people who are definitely conservatives, vote Republican. Um, And then I think there are a lot of disaffected liberals, people who would describe themselves as lifelong Democrats. Maybe they still vote Democrat, but there is something about liberal culture that they feel has gone over the top. So is this dinner party always at Pamela's house or where does she throw these? They rotate around New York City. Often they're at this restaurant called the Olive Tree, which is above the Comedy Cellar in Greenwich Village. Oh, the Comedy Cellar guy. Uh-huh. Noam Dorman. He owns that place too? He does. He is kind of a libertarian himself. He's the guy who brought Louis C.K. back right after Louis C.K. was canceled. He was performing at the Comedy Cellar and people were mad at this guy. That's right. That was mm. one of... Louis C.K.'s first stops after his whole cancellation saga. Um, And now, you know, everybody's basically back to having Louis C.K. on. But Noam Dorman, I don't know his politics. And he says that 
he just likes making his venues a home for lively debate. And Noam Dorman has in the past picked up the check for the Thought Criminals. The Comedy Cellar guy is the sponsor of the gathering of the Thought Criminals? He comps them when they go. Wow. Yeah. So if you want to get a free dinner, go to the Olive Tree Cafe above the Comedy Cellar and just talk loudly with controversial opinions. And there's a chance that your bill will disappear. I think if I said that, no one would kill me. So no comment. When we come back, Emma will go inside the gathering of Thought Criminals Dinner and not eat anything. But first, our advertisers have some red pills they want to sell you. I've interviewed many successful people over the years, and one thing I find fascinating is many of them don't consider themselves business savvy. Take the owners of Tight Knit Brewing. They turn to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile App is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. It all started with two federal agents who heard a rumor. She mentioned, well, there is this alleged murder to have taken place. There was just one problem. They had no clue who the victim was. We have to do our job, and we have to find out who did they kill. It had been 15 years since this alleged murder. Was it still possible to unearth the truth? I used to watch um, the Unsolved Mystery shows, and I often thought about calling because I was like this is this is not right how can a person get killed and no one knows anything I'm Jake Halpern and this is Deep Cover The Nameless Man listen wherever you get your podcasts and if you want to hear the entire season right now ad free subscribe to Pushkin Plus on our Apple Podcast show page or on pushkin.fm slash plus Okay, so you went to one of these dinners. Tell me what it was like just from the moment you start walking towards it. So this was on a Sunday night. You go up a little flight of stairs and you're up into the olive tree. And it's one of these old restaurants like maroon leather booths and those hanging lights that are mm. sort of stained glassish that hang over your head kind of like a flower. You know, they had all this like soft rock queen Credence Clearwater Revival, you know, it's that kind of place. It's a wings and burgers kind of joint. I know exactly the 80s place in the West Village you're talking about. So there's this table that had been pushed together 
maybe, I don't know, 12 or 13 people showed up to this version of the gathering. Now, it's important to note that this was a special version of the gathering, and they knew I was going to be there. So it was smaller than usual. And I would say it was a very particular set because it was people who were willing to show up to one of these hangouts when they knew that a New Yorker reporter was going to be there. So normally there'd be like twice as many people, or how many people do they usually get? Pamela says that they get anywhere from a few dozen to 60. And what does it feel like? Does it feel tense? Does it feel uh, exciting? Like, How does it compare to other parties you've been to? It felt like the kind of party that lifelong debate kids go to. People who want nothing more than to sit around having extremely detailed and technical arguments. And that's how they want to spend their socializing and free time. Are people wearing name tags or is it much more casual? It's way more casual than that. In other versions of the gathering, I've been told that often people will sit down and, you know, get out a guitar and start singing folk songs. So it's a pretty convivial and casual setting where people can get to know each other without having to have something like a name tag on. That's too dorky. How was the food? I didn't eat. You know, got to work. You didn't eat? Come on. (laughs) Really? Is that what we're supposed to do? I always eat. Pack a PB&J. You know, I don't know. I always eat no matter where I am. I shouldn't be doing that as a reporter. Huh? <laughs> I'm not here to criticize your journalistic ethics. Yes, you Would are. I say that you're, you're a bad reporter? I wouldn't say that you're a bad reporter. Other people might say that. I wouldn't say oh, that. Oh, no. This is horrible. <laughs> just yesterday, I was at an event. I was interviewing people. And I was just shoving food in my face. Wow. I, I, I mean, n- no judgment, I guess. I guess. Um, do you feel comfortable there? Like, how do you feel? <laughs> Uh, it's hard to say because reporters are like bad party guests. Don't invite reporters to your parties. Yeah. I mean, maybe <laughs> you and I should keep that to ourselves because I want people to keep reporting reporters to no, their everyone parties. Everyone knows, but, trust me. But, you know, I think by the end of the night when people were at their loosest, it really was people sitting around one end of the table, heads really close together, you know, leaning in, talking about very technical aspects of the trans debate. And it was just very intense. And this this trans debate, who was leading that? There was a woman there named Kim Jones, who is the mother of a swimmer who competed against the athlete Leah Thomas, who is a trans woman. And there was a lot of backlash to Leah Thomas because she was victorious. So Kim Jones, this mom, Uh, has basically reorganized her life around what happened to her daughter. She has started an organization which is about, as she would say, defending single-sex spaces and the rights of female athletes. And that includes the exclusion of trans athletes from female sports. Who else was there? So I met a number of people who weren't willing to use their names or go on the record Um, There were a couple of people who had previously identified as transgender and then later had um, detransitioned away from that identity. Um, Nick Gillespie, who is a professional libertarian, he works for Reason Magazine, was there. Mm -hmm. There was another young woman there named Ricky Schlott, who is a journalist and dropped out of NYU. She felt that it was kind of a waste of her time during the pandemic. And also she was hiding books by the black economist Thomas Sowell under her mattress. He's sort of like loved by young conservatives and hated by everybody else. It's a weird thing to keep under your bed. (laughs) That's just sad. But exciting for Thomas Sowell. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. So lots of different kinds of people. 
How about canceled people, though? Are there actual canceled people there? So one of the detransitioners who I talked mm-hmm. with, this is someone who I would say has faced a significant amount of public backlash. I talked on the phone separately with a couple people who I would say count as fully canceled. Uh, Sarah Rose Siskind is an example of one of these people who did go through something that is pretty explicitly a cancellation. Um, When she was at Harvard, this is maybe 10 years ago, she wrote an op-ed for the Crimson about affirmative action. And I think she would say that it was kind of flippant and intended to be a little funny, but there was a big backlash on Harvard's campus. She talked to me about having friends who stopped talking to her, people walking out on dates with her. Somebody from Jezebel wrote about how she was, I think, a snide, rude little baby. And... She talked about even after she graduated, she had encounters where this would come up and it would be, you know, a source of contention at a party that she was at. And she's 31 now. She said that basically this has defined the last 10 years of her life. She has had a really hard time reckoning with it. And she told me that she hated herself. She had to do a lot of therapy. She did a lot of psychedelic drug use uh, as a sort of foray into trying to get some understanding and, and forgiveness. And I think she's someone who's very, very, very deeply thoughtful about what happened to her. She regrets the articles. She's learned a lot more about affirmative action. I think she also has come to feel like these instances where people are really just destroyed because even if they say something stupid that they later regret, she feels that that is not a great way to treat people. And in that way, I found her to be a really interesting example of a thought criminal, someone who's trying to to wrestle with all of this. I've talked to people who've been canceled. It seems from the outside like it shouldn't be such a big deal, but we're such social creatures that people's lives fall apart. Yeah, that's something that Sarah and I talked about, which is I think one of the critiques from the left about cancellation or cancel culture, people who are skeptical that such a thing exists, is that sometimes there are real clear consequences when someone gets canceled, they lose a job or whatever. But oftentimes, it's not really clear what the consequence is, right? They don't necessarily lose their job. They don't necessarily lose their house or their wife. But to Sarah, it still matters what your reputation is, right? Because how other people think of us, how we're known the kind of association that we have with bad ideas or bad deeds, that's such an important currency of social trust. And when that's broken, both in our own self-perception and in other people's perceptions, I think it can be really devastating for people. And you might think, well, they deserve it. But I think it's interesting to engage with people who have been through that because if nothing else, I think it's important for us to understand as a society what happens when we've done this to someone. Yeah, when you kick someone out of the the village, you should know the consequences of it. And so many people who get kicked out of the village kind of have an ideological turn. Like some people become more successful after being canceled. Were there those kind of people at this dinner? Well, you know, that's something that Sarah and I talked about. She was saying, you know, good to be brave, but you shouldn't be an edgelord. There are a lot of different ways to deal with this. And one of them is to become really defensive. But for me, I think the question as a reporter becomes, is there a really well-developed understanding of sin and forgiveness here? I asked this question over and over again to basically everyone I met who went to the gatherings, which is, What happens 
if there's a truly bad person? Do you invite them into the gathering? Do you still have jovial conversation with them? Yeah. What's the threshold for forgiveness? Yeah, I think there is, there's a limit of who I want to be in a room with. Right. And that is, I think, the really big question about the thought criminals. Pamela was like, Harvey Weinstein can't come. But, you know, in some ways, that's the easy question, right? Exactly. That's just an actual criminal. Yeah, he's an actual criminal. But, you know, there's a lot of hash marks between Harvey Weinstein and someone who has a mildly unpopular opinion. And when I talked to Pamela, it didn't seem to me that she had developed really clear parameters for how to figure out how far out you could be and still be welcomed into the thought criminals. And Pamela, to her credit, was like, look, we're just a group of friends. You're putting too much on us. Like, you're asking us to be too, you know, sophisticated and have all of these rules written out about, you know, how we think about sin and forgiveness or whatever. But ultimately, I think this is a story about how in society do we categorize people's sins? And after someone has sinned, is there a method for forgiveness? What should happen to them afterwards? But she does have a rule, and it's kind of the only rule anyone has. If you're friends with Pamela, you're in. Right. And and that's the rule all of us are making. And it's not just people who are, like, publicly canceled. It's like, oh, my uncle who voted for Trump. Like, it's, it's a constant decision of who you include and exclude. That's right. And I think part of what's complicated about a gathering like this is that all of these people have experienced something that involves other people making accusations And so that trust is eroded in this popular consensus about who should be in polite company and who should be outside of it. But then who do I trust? I guess I trust Pamela. And if Pamela vouches, then I guess you must be okay. It's creating this alternative ecosystem for who deserves to be in a nice cocktail party. What feedback have you gotten since the story came out? Like, have you gotten canceled just for writing about canceled people? (laughs) Uh, There was a lot of reaction on Twitter A lot of people hated the story and criticized everything from these people are boring to why are you giving this concept of being canceled any kind of air? You know, this was just a credulous report about people who are bad people. And, you know, in the end, I just have to trust my gut, which is that I think this little group actually opens up a lot of really substantive questions about what we think as a society about how to deal with people who have either in their thoughts or their words or their deeds transgressed boundaries, especially in a time when those boundaries are shifting and there's a lot of disagreement about where those boundaries should be. I think it's really important to try to engage with that question because it's not just about the thought criminals, whatever you think about the thought criminals, it's about trying to grapple with these questions of sin and forgiveness. Would you go back if they invited you just for fun? Um, I got enough going on. I got other stuff to do. (laughs) Emma Green, you wrote, the party is canceled for The New Yorker. Thank you so much for coming on and for your bravery. Uh, I will not accept the praise of bravery because I think that would be cringe, but I am so happy to have come on your podcast. And may you never be canceled. (laughs) May you never be canceled to you too. I am so sorry to inform you, but just by listening to this podcast, you've been canceled. You see, you listen to a podcast about people who've done questionable things. And by doing that, you've now tacitly endorsed those questionable things. 
So you're canceled. You should probably not check Twitter right now. At the end of the show, what's next for Joel Stein? Maybe he'll take a nap or poke around online. Our show is produced by Joey Fishground, Mo Laborde, and Nishavenka. It was edited by Lydia Jean Cop. Our engineer is Amanda K. Wang, and our executive producer is Catherine Girardot. Our theme song was produced by Jonathan Colton. A special thanks to my voice coach, Vicki Merrick, and my consulting producer, Lauren Zelaznik. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Joel Stein, and this is Story of the Week. I hope that nothing I said will bring me any more trouble than I've already gotten into. Are you worried about anything in particular? No, not really. But, you know, for Mike's sake, just listen and make sure I don't say anything terrible. Are you worried about the stuff you said about the Jews? (laughs) Nah, that part's fine. (laughs) The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. It all started with two federal agents who heard a rumor. She mentions, well, there is this alleged murder to have taken place. There was just one problem. They had no clue who the victim was. We have to do our job, and we have to find out who did they kill. It had been 15 years since this alleged murder. Was it still possible to unearth the truth? I used to watch um, the Unsolved Mystery shows, and I often thought about calling because I was like, this is, this is not right. How can a person get killed and no one knows anything? I'm Jake Halpern, and this is Deep Cover, The Nameless Man. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to hear the entire season right now, ad-free, subscribe to Pushkin Plus on our Apple Podcast show page or on pushkin.fm slash plus. Plus.